Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to the afternoon show, Bill Arnold. I've got Guy Talk for another 30 minutes, and then Dr. Tim Walsh is going to be joining me the second part of the hour from the Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, so I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to that as well. So we've had some great questions come in, and I always appreciate when you uh, send me questions. I'm having some technical difficulty right now, so I'm having a little bit of trouble accessing the questions, so I'm a little disturbed by that, but that will be resolved hopefully uh, by next week. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, um, here's a question. Uh, In Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. So if you grow up and that's what you were taught and you believe that to be true, how do you reconcile when you see faithful believers suffer and some have really died horrible, horrible deaths. When you read those words and you see what's in front of us, how do we reconcile those two? Go, Tom. Well, both again, both are true. He mm-hmm. is our present uh, refuge. He's our rock. Even if you're dying on the cross like Jesus was, God was still his rock. Both are true, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and the only way to help us understand that is to, how can I say it, step back from Scripture. Too often we get myopic. We find this verse, Psalm 46.1. It's one of my favorites, all right? Boy, I can get honed in on that. And then, I can, and then I can go to the Lord and say, you know, when my grandson died unnecessarily, which happened, why did you allow that to happen? I thought you'd love me. But if I don't back up and look at the other parts of Scripture where Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, mm-hmm. but take heart of overcome the world— I can get kind of a a skewed understanding of what the Lord's going to do. And the one thing I've come to realize is that Jesus indeed loves us. But Jesus isn't here to let us live 150 years in this life without any trouble and make everything good. His goal is to always make us more like him. And to become more like him, I've had to go through some tremendous Mm -hmm. trials. And otherwise, I become bitter or I become better. And my goal is to become better in Christ and in the midst of this, trust in him. All right. When you hear that angels are ministering spirits to serve those inheriting salvation, what do you understand that to be? How do you how do you process that? Well, I know it talks about that in Hebrews. Um, there's a lot of teaching on this. Um, it, a lot of people have gotten into the book of Enoch, which is outside of the Bible. I don't ascribe to it, nor am I telling people to read it. But a lot more discussion about angels there. And I think that most of us uh, don't understand fully the role of angels or what they're up to or what they're doing, although the Scripture does talk about angels, and they're frequently showing up in Scripture. So I think, like my oldest son, firmly believes from Scripture that he has uh, one or two or three guardian angels that walk with him and try to direct him and try to remind him of the Lord's Word on a constant basis. I can't really argue with that, but I can't also give a definitive answer to that one. I like the concept because I don't want to walk this life. You know, I I want to walk this life with Jesus, but how does Jesus do that? 
Well, he can be directly with me, or he can do it through his ministering spirit. So I think both apply. I think, too, Jesus said, be careful how you treat kids, because their angels continually behold the face of my Father in heaven. So I think we do have a guardian angel. On the other hand, the New Age people are into angels and spirit guides, and are always communicating with their angel spirit guide. That has to be rejected. That's yes. not what the Bible's talking about. But I think the angels protect us that, you know, in ways we don't know. Angels visit us unaware. You can have somebody talk to you that turns out not to be a human but an angel. Uh, that's about all we know. I mean, angels uh, talked to Joseph and Mary uh, when Jesus was going to be born. So they're there. Um, yeah. But we can never separate angels from Jesus. No. Or the Trinity, because the moment we do, then we're into something altogether different. Right. And there are other beings out there, fallen angels, demons, that can come off like angels of light, yeah. as and, the scripture says. Do you, do you remember years ago there was the Montel Williams show? It was oh, a yeah. talk show. And he used to have this woman called Sylvia. Oh, on I remember it, Sylvia. And Sylvia the psychic. And my mom was a Missouri Synod Lutheran. You don't get more conservative than that. But I remember having a talk with her when she was alive. Oh, I, I really like uh, Syl- I said, Mom, she's a psychic. Oh, no, she talks about Jesus and angels. I said, Mom, she's a psychic. And, you know, you can use the word Jesus or you can use the right. word angel to be your spirit guide, you just got to be careful. Right. Yeah. It's got to align with Scripture. Yeah. And it's got to align with the, the, the whole gospel message of salvation. Mm-hmm. And call for you and I to repent. If we are not repenting, if we are not living in that ongoing relationship... You can be deceived. Then you can be deceived really easy. Yeah. And a lot of people get deceived. Yeah. Have you had people tell you of stories where they've had angelic encounters? Oh, yeah. And what is what is your yeah. response been to them? Overwhelmingly, the ones that were told to me, I believe. Okay. Me too. Yeah. Because they here's the, the thing that kind of did it for me, Bill. This was coming from people that would never talk this way. In other words, you always have members of your congregation or people you know that are always got stories of some mm-hmm. kind. Those are not the people I was hearing these stories from. I'm hearing them from the introverted, you know, school mom who never ventured outside of Minnesota and has been in church all of her life, and then all of a sudden she comes in whiter than a sheet yeah. or telling me what's happened and how yeah. this angel appeared to her and spoke to her. And then I listened for the content of the message. What is the angel saying to you? And in her case, uh, it was very biblical. It was very Christ-centered. Mm-hmm. It, it, it flowed. Um, now, I've had other people come to me and say, I think the Lord spoke to me, and they'll say something to me, and I'll go, that doesn't sound like the yeah. Lord. Yeah. You know, that I can't. Can we find that in Scripture? Yeah. It's interesting. I've, I've heard some stories, and I always want to be very honoring of people's experiences, mm-hmm. even though I, I have some reserve in my spirit when I hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I have heard some some things that have felt very profound, and it's it's I can't I can't argue. And, right. and, you know, I don't know if I've shared this, but years ago, I, my sister died at age thirty-two. So years after she died, I ha- had a vision. I, and I think it might have been real, where she's floating outside my bedroom window. And I said, Ruthann, and she says, Tommy. And I said, is the Lord coming soon? Yes, Jesus is coming soon. Then she started saying some weird stuff. And then the thing was gone, and I was sitting up in bed, which made me think of if it didn't really happen. But I knew that was a, a counterfeit. Because even though your dead sister appears to you in your bedroom, that's not your dead sister. It can be a demon sure. masquerading as your dead sister. It can be pizza. <laughs> you know, God, the devil, or pizzas where things like that come from. And uh, so. Mm-hmm. Did not angels minister to Jesus in the wilderness? 
Wasn't Jesus as son of man lower than the angels? A couple of descriptors there. The angels did minister yes, to Jesus yes, in the wilderness. Did. Yes, says they did. Yeah. yeah. And minister, I don't know exactly. It doesn't define what that means. But I would imagine that they brought scripture to his mind, that Maybe they reinforced food. food. It could have been a variety of things. Yeah, I believe that very real and very much happened. Mm-hmm. Because we are in that season of uh, politics, and I don't like talking politics. This is an interesting question, though. Is it possible for Christians to be affiliated with a party and still call out their party's shortcomings in a godly way? How do we separate our Christian faith intimacy with God that Jesus demonstrated versus the Christian religion like the Pharisees? Mm-hmm. A thoughtful question. Tom, you can take that one and then maybe I'll add something. Well, the point is... We'll go to break after Tom. <laughs> so that'll bail <laughs> you out. Best. That'll bail you out. <laughs> and bail me out. What am I talking about? Remember this, whether it's a Republican, Democrat, or Independent, they will all fall far short of what they should be or what they could say and do. But... Some have a better uh, presentation affirmation. Right now, I grew up in a household. My mom and dad were Democrats. And and I thought John Kennedy and that was, you know, right up there, the echelon. Um, as I got older and I began to look and listen to what the Democrats were saying, I became more and more concerned because they became strong supporters of abortion on demand. There seems to be right now among the Democrats an anti-religious spirit, and I hear it out of uh, too many of those people, and even an anti-Christian spirit, and I'm not comfortable with that. I don't like that. So I'm very careful about that. Now, does it mean that I've, I'm wholesale in the Republican Party? No. But on the other hand, uh, I am wholesale on anyone who will stand up and claim and try to support life, to support the truth. Uh, so that's uh, it's a tough one. No. Uh, I think you can stay in a party and try to change it, but I think you're also going to know when to leave. We did that with the ELCA. Mm-hmm. How long do you stay, and then when do you got to go? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a limit on how far you can go with a particular party. I have a TV show, and one of the viewers wrote me an email, rather huffy, very upset that I am not condemning uh, President Trump's sexual sins and his, uh, his dis- you know, et cetera, and and I wrote back, I said, I think as a pastor, it's my job to tell people to vote pro-life, pro-traditional marriage. It's not my job to tell people what candidates to vote for. And I said to her, I didn't get on TV and renounce Bill Clinton's sins. I don't think it's my job to renounce uh, Donald Trump's sins. I think for pastors listening to our show, it is your job. And please do it. Tell your people to vote for uh, the protection of the unborn. Tell people to vote for the, the sanctity of man-woman marriage. I don't think it's our job to tell people specific candidates. That's their job to research. Well, I just wrote an article, and I've talked to... I've been blessed. As a historian, I get to talk with World War II veterans, uh, a Japanese soldier I got to talk to, a couple of Hitler youth, and a lot of people who were Holocaust survivors. And so when I write this, I, I mean what I'm saying. I said, imagine you're in 1938 Germany. And it's time for an election. You know that Hitler is pro-death for the Jews. You're a person, you are personally opposed to killing Jews, but Hitler's a nice guy. He provides jobs, improves the economy, rebuilds German standing in the world, and offers hope to the working class. Can you justify then voting for Hitler even though you're not a single-issue voter? Amen. And I can say no. You can't justify it. There is no justification under that. And there isn't a person today in America that would say, I would have voted for Adolf Hitler. I mean, they'd be thrown out of a room. Mm -hmm. We're doing the same thing with abortion 
and it's mainly silent. If people could see, if we had a billionaire yeah. who would put money into actually showing people what happens in an abortion, because I got to see yeah. the aftermath of an three, abortion years three, ago. 3,000 You per wouldn't day. do it. You three, would not do it. 3,000 unborn babies a day. It's horrible. And two minutes from my house now, they opened up a new Planned Parenthood abortion clinic. Makes me sick. And we need to vote our beliefs on this one. That's that, that much it's huge we should for me. say. All right, let's take a little break. Uh, Guy Talk is uh, another 15 minutes. Let me know if you've got a, a question for us, 877-933-2484, or maybe email me, bill at myfaithradio.com. That I can get, 877-933-2484, or bill at myfaithradio.com. Be right back. to the show. We're still with Guy Talk for a few more minutes, and then Dr. Tim Walsh is going to be joining me from Minnesota Dalton Teen Challenge, so looking forward to that. And we've got some very interesting questions that have come in. This is one that comes out of Galatians chapter 3, um, and it talks about um, the Galatian Christians were abandoning their faith. Paul says that they were bewitched. How can we be bewitched today? <laughs> I like that word, bewitched. Bothered and bewildered yeah. am I. I like that. I like the singing, too. Well, there's so <laughs> many temptations out there, so many things to pull us away. And I think most people want security in life. They want to know that they're going to get up, it's going to be a good day, they're not going to get hit by a car, you know, they're going to have enough money, all of that kind of stuff. But life is not that certain. And the problem for most people is they want that certainly. That's what Gnosticism if you read about it, it, was all about they wanted to know all the inside knowledge, so they knew everything that was going on, and there'd be no surprises. Well, with Jesus, there are always surprises. I mean, his word is the absolute word, but we never know how he's going to move in a certain situation. And I think bewitched is easy because there is a lot of demonic out there. There is uh, a lot of there is a lot of the, the tarot cards and the palm reading and the psychics, and quite frankly. Um, most people I know that have gotten, that have been bewitched out of Christianity, and I've talked to them and worked with them, got bewitched because they thought they heard something better, and they thought it was more authoritative, mm-hmm. or it somehow fit a, a particular need in their life at yep. that time. The problem is, what I told them is, be careful, because what you're into will eventually turn on you like a trap. And it's the bewitching is at its most demonic when it's being done by leaders in the church. Always. When you've got bishops or a pope, yeah. Proclaiming things like civil unions for gay couples, or, or you've got ELCA Lutheran bishops affirming transgenderism and abortion. I, the bewitching is evil, but it's especially evil when it's done within the church by the leadership. Well, and we, this is where we need to confront the leadership and not allow them to get away with that. And what I mean by that is this. I'm not going to get into a theological debate with those people. But I want to know, why are they anti-Jesus? Mm-hmm. And why are they anti-the Scriptures? And they'll tell you they're not. Oh, I know. Yeah. But they twist it in such I a way they do. that they need to be challenged yeah. on that continually. Yeah. So you guys done? No, I know. We can <laughs> Preach, go it. Preach it, Bill. Come Jump on, Bill. on in, Jill. You, you guys get on rolls. I don't want to interrupt stuff. Because you guys have had such a history together in, in, in life, working, and you guys banter back and forth off each other. I think the bewitching is a real issue today in the sense that many of our young people are being bewitched. I just read an article by Ken Ham. 
the guy I who like did Ken Ham. the Ark and that. Yeah, guy, he's been on the show. I love oh. Ken Ham. He said, you know, from Barna Research and others, we're losing more of our youth than we've ever lost before. And the COVID thing is keeping them not only away from church, they're not going to come back to church. They're not even meeting in small groups. They're just drifting away. Well, what's causing that? Well, they're getting drawn in by Netflix. They're getting drawn in by, you know, all the, the shows they can watch. I mean, there isn't a show on TV you can't watch anymore where a couple meets one another and two minutes later they're having sex. Now, that's not healthy. That's mm-hmm. not the way the Lord designed it. And yet that becomes their worldview. And the church, what are we? I mean, what kind of excitement do we offer for people, you know, in terms of conquering life? No, you're probably going to suffer if you follow Jesus. You know, you're probably uh-huh. going to not get everything you want. Where the world is saying you can have everything. And, boy, is that bewitching. And people buy into that real easy. Yeah, because well, I, when I think of the word bewitched, I think it's something that I, I see every day. And there's oh, just, yeah. I mean, it's not just down to psychics and tarot cards. No. It's, it's, uh, it is a, a, a psychology. It's a, and, it's a philosophy. And I hear yes. bewitched, I think, of the 1960s sitcom. Yeah. Where, and, you know, watching that as a kid, didn't think a thing of it. But you watch it, it, it's witchcraft. It made it acceptable. <laughs> yeah, it did. I, I often yeah. say that our, social, our media today is doing social engineering. The comedies today are not the comedies that we grew up with. Mm-hmm. The comedies today introduce all the, the uh, characters that are gay yeah. or transgendered yeah. or whatever it may be, and everything looks normal. And everything looks healthy. And who's the heroine on the show or the hero? The most accepting person of all. The bigot is the person who says no. Yep. And after a while, how many times you got to watch those shows before you start to say, well, yeah, I, I want to be accepting mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And people buy into it. Mm-hmm. How did we go from father knows best to father knows nothing? Mm-hmm. Boy, that's the truth. Yeah. yeah. We have. We have moved dramatically and it's sad to see what's happening in the home. I was listening to a black evangelist the other day, and he had a very good comment. And I only say black evangelist so you understand the context. He's a minister of the gospel. But he said the breakdown of the black home was 7 out of 10 families not having a dad in the home is the biggest destruction there is, along with abortion, because more black children are aborted than any other, you know, particular number of, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. colors. And he said, we have lost the home. And in losing the home, we've lost the community. Oh, so sad. My friend Patrick says that the progression is dads, the dad is always the dumbest. The mom is a little bit smarter. Mm-hmm. The kid is smarter than the mom. And right. the smartest of the whole family is the dog. Yep. Uh-huh. Or yep. the homosexual uncle that they put in the sitcom. You know, yeah. how many sitcoms now have transgender uh, characters. I mean, it's, it's I, way out of. Whack. I don't know because I don't watch sitcoms. Yeah, and, and I don't. I, but when I'm when I'm zooming, like, uh, in, in anyway, boy, you see a lot of transgenderism on TV now. It's just ugh. Well, I make a bad habit of going on the computer and I've got a uh, trailer. It shows me the trailers of all the new movies coming out. Mm-hmm. There's usually about twenty at a time, and every week they change. So when Jan goes to bed and I'm up late and, and whatever, I'll turn it on and I'll watch. Now it's two minutes usually, minute and a half to two and a half minutes. And I can watch just that trailer and say, I never want to see that movie again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I never, I will yeah. never endorse that movie. And I will tell you right now, the last group I looked at, 18, I would not recommend to anybody. There are right. only two films I would recommend. And we should say for the listeners, PluggedIn.com. Yeah. You go to that website. It'll tell you the movie you want to see, how many times they use the F word, how many times they take Jesus' name in vain, how many sex scenes they've got. And I go to that before I'll go to a movie. Boy, I can't go to hardly any movies no. these days. Well, that's where we watch the old 40s movies and 50s. Yeah, that's right. They're the pretty classics. safe. 
All right, gentlemen, next time that we gather uh, will be next Thursday, Lord willing. And then by then we will have gone through an election. Now, oh. I don't know what the results are going to be. Everybody if, pray. If we'll have results, uh, oh, certainly, right. you know, there's going to be balloting mm-hmm. that's going to need to be counted. Like in the state of Pennsylvania, for example, they can't start counting until Election Day. Yeah. And they already have wow. three and a half million votes. So there, it'll take probably a little while to get some definitive results. But okay. I, yeah, Tom. Can I tell a quick story about Teen Challenge? Because that's next, isn't it? Yeah, Teen Challenge is next. Teen Challenge, wonderful ministry helping keep people off of drugs. So every year you can have their choir come to your church, and we used to at Hope, mm-hmm. and there was never a dry eye in the house. And the, all these kids would sing, and this one young woman gets up to give her testimony at the microphone and how God saved her off of drugs. This big, tall guy starts coming down the aisle for her. And I'm thinking as the pastor, uh, what's uh, do we need to get security? What's going on here? The big guy gets up to her at the microphone, and she looks at him and says, that's my daddy. Oh, wow. And he hugged her and talk about tears. Mm. Ah, so everybody, God bless Teen Challenge. Yeah, yeah, nice little... There's nothing like seeing redemption nice little in commercial. real life. It's powerful. Yeah, yeah. thanks for uh, thanks for that little endorsement. <laughs> Tim will be happy you said that. Um, but let's, uh, I think it's probably good to close this time out. Tom, you already, Tom Brock, you already prayed once, so maybe Tom Parrish, you would pray for our country, our election, our candidates, mm, good our, idea. everyone who's going to be on the ballot and all the voters, the safety. I think there's going to be a, a possible uh, outburst of violence. Mm-hmm. And we just I really would love to pray the Lord's protection on our country at this time. Lord Jesus, as you saved the children of Israel at the Red Sea, they never thought you were going to part the sea, but you did. And you saved them. We need saving in this country. This election is dynamite. There is great danger. People are afraid in so many ways. Lord, speak to all the candidates. I, I'm so bold to ask, Lord, that you appear to Joe Biden and to Donald Trump and speak to them directly if you need to. Get their hearts right with you, Lord, in whatever decision you want to make. Be with all the candidates, and I pray that all of them would begin to think about America and think about, again, your will and how this country was so formed around the truth. And, Lord, as we move forward, there is a fear of great violence we don't know what's going to happen, but Lord, we ask that we are prepared, but in being prepared, we are prepared to share the gospel. We're prepared to stand up for the truth and that Lord, you would curtail the violence and send your angels among us and do powerful mm-hmm. things. We need miracles. We ask for miracles on November 3rd mm-hmm. beyond anything we can understand. And you get all the glory, Lord Jesus. Amen. In Jesus name. Amen. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thanks, Look forward Bill. to being together with you guys next week. And that uh, wraps up Guy Talk. Thank you for the extended version. It's always nice to have you guys in for a little bit longer. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dr. Tim Walsh, uh, Senior Vice President, uh, I think he's got a pretty cool title over at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, is going to be joining me. I'm real curious to find out what's happening right now in the recovery community with the pandemic. I know people are uh, feeling a little bit more desperate than usual. Homelessness is up. Use is up, abuse is up, relapse is up, but there's going to be great joy and hope through all of it because of what Jesus did on the cross. So after a short break, I'll have uh, Dr. Tim Walsh with me. Let's get it started. Jump in.
All right, we are back to the show. Dr. Tim Walsh is my guest. He's the vice president, one of the vice presidents, the vice president of Minnesota Intelligence Team. I'm one of those things, yeah. You're yeah, one of them. And uh, I'm, I've been so curious as to uh, lately with the pandemic and the ongoing problems with uh, unemployment and the economy shut down and people in stress and anxiety, does it turn into uh, more use, more uh, abusive drugs and alcohol, uh, homelessness, all that. So I wanted to catch up with him and find out uh, what the status is. Tim, welcome. Thanks, Bill. Really appreciate you having me. Yeah, I always love starting off with a uh, scripture that we can just sort of fix our eyes on. So let's start with Hebrews twelve two, which starts with, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, mm. the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility for sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Wow. That's good. Powerful. It is. So what's what's the current situation now? Yeah, so the, the current situation, Bill, and this is not just for our clients at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge or people that are in recovery, is people are feeling overwhelmed right now. They're feeling stressed out. There's this background stress, which we can talk about. Uh, they were at their limits uh, perhaps even before the pandemic. Then we had the pandemic. Then we had the social re- unrest following uh, May the 25th. And mm. even before the pandemic, uh, and you and I talked about this a little bit, there was an epidemic of anxiety and depression. And people were also at that time talking about uh, epidemic levels of stress. And since that time, because of the coronavirus, people have been reluctant to see, seek help or treatment. And now you're exactly right. Uh, there is about 20% increase in overdoses right now. Domestic wow. assaults are on the rise. Violent crime is on the rise in our, in our big cities. Homicides are on the rise significantly. Suicides are on the rise accidental deaths, it, 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 goes, it goes on and on. So people are not, are doing well. It's heartbreaking, Tim. It is. It's just heartbreaking. So if we're going to be resilient during this time, how are we going to do that? Yeah, good, good, good. So yeah, so how do we build our emotional endurance? I'll put it that way. The Bible calls it endurance. And in that verse that you're talking about, Bill, the Hebrews 12, 12, 2, uh, it got right to it. It said, for the joy set before him, Christ endured the wow. cross. That's so strong. I, I, yeah, I started meditating on that this last year. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. That, so what kept him going during the, the, the shame, the scourge, the humiliation, uh, the Via Della Rosa, the, mm-hmm. the way of suffering, going to the place of skulls, what, what kept him going? The joy that was set before him. And, and, and we'll get into the detail of what that means, but... Um, Endurance, one simple way of defining that is short-term pain for long-term gain. And so that's it. it and, and, I, and I think that's a good way to focus. It's how do we get through this challenge? How do we get through this adversity? Right now, people are saying things like, I can't handle this. This has got to be done. I can't stand this. I don't know if I can get through this. This is what we're hearing. Mm-hmm. And not just, not just with clients or people struggling with substance use disorders. It's with people every day that we bump into. This is what they're. This is what they're faced with. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, figure out a plan, Tim, for building this endurance. Sure. What What are some of the steps we should take? Sure. The Bible would say this: uh, wake up, that that we're asleep. You know, we don't want to be hyper vigilant, Bill, but we want to be vigilant. We want to be aware. 
And one of the things that we need to get in tune with right now is what is sucking the life out of us? What right now is sapping our endurance? What is overwhelming us? And I, I just have some things if you want to just talk through some oh, of the... definitely. Let's oh, do it. Yeah, so first of all, is that chronic stress? You know, when we get epinephrine, adrenaline going on in our body, we get cortisol levels, of course, that mm-hmm. has very damaging effects to oh, yeah. our brain and our body. And people have this constant background stress, whether they're aware it of it or not. And you and I have gotten into this before, but it's even gotten worse. We we started talking about why in 2010 did young people start experiencing epidemic levels of anxiety and depression? And what we landed on was what happened in 2010? A massive increase in the use of social media. Mm. And so what's, what happens now with social isolation, people being at home is they're using media more often. And what's happening with that, of course, is they're getting a daily diet of fear and outrage from the media, but they're also constantly comparing themselves to other people. And of course, the Bible would call that en- envy or covetousness, but mm-hmm. it, it, it's really damaging to our soul to do constant social comparisons. And with young people, uh, that's actually what uh, social psychologists are saying is leading to what's called fragility. Why is it that these days it seems like people are lacking in this this resiliency, uh, this endurance? So that's social comparison. So it's such a cool word, resiliency. I it, mean, that's it what we all want. We all want to be resilient. A- absolutely. You know, we always look at our grandparents. You know, and you think they had such grit. They did. They, they did. They, that, that's that's brilliant. And so actually, the research in psychology on this is called grit. It's our being gritty, and, and, and actually I, I'm drawing from both the Bible on this and I'm drawing from research, and as we've talked about in the past, uh, we have research is slowly catching up to the truth of the body, Bible. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, the other thing, and I think we've got to be honest about this, I, I've been trying to be honest about this with myself, is that I like my comforts. I like all of the conveniences in my life. And with coronavirus, social unrest, and everything that goes along with that, uh, there, there is no easy way. There's every, everything is a bit more challenging, yeah, isn't no it? No kidding. Yeah. yeah. Well said, Tim. Yeah. Good. I'd like to share a quote with you from the Myth of Happiness by Liba Mirsky. She says, "People who have experienced some adversity are ultimately happier and less distressed, traumatized, stressed, and impaired than those who have experienced no adversity at all." Mm-hmm. And that actually leads right into the biblical truth from Romans five three through five. Would you like me to read that? Please. Yeah. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. This hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Yeah. So we have this massive body of research that tell us, uh, tells us that we need some adversity, some challenge in life. In fact, our minds want challenge. You know, that, that's what we're seeking. We want something that's challenging, meaningful, purposeful. Uh, we need that in our lives. But the Bible goes right to it, that it's this affliction, it's the adversity that we go through that, uh, that actually produces endurance or grittiness. I think I've said before, I, I've always wanted my grandmother's character, but I just didn't want to go through what she had to go through to get it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. As Jesus said, you know, the cup that was given right, to him. Right. Are you willing to accept the cup, you know, that this chalice, this crucible that yeah. he went through? You know, and, and of course, in a sense, we all have to live the life of Christ, including the suffering that he went through. Mm-hmm. I love that passage from Romans. That's Romans 5, verses 3 to 5. Yeah. So thank you for that verse, Tim. That's wonderful. It's good. 
So the other thing that's depleting people right now is we know that alcohol sales in person are up over 50%, and we know that online sales of alcohol are up over 350%. Wow. Yeah, Serious? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. People are turning to, to alcohol and to other drugs. Okay. Uh, you know, it, it's just magnified right now. So the, the, the effects of that, Bill, is two, two things. One, one, if we use drugs and alcohol on a consistent basis, it will decrease our grittiness. It will make us weaker. It will make us more fragile over time. That's what happens where it gets to the point where we can't even handle everyday stressors. So it makes it worse. And the other thing it does is we get so focused in on the chemical and the chemical solving our problems for us uh, that over time it decreases those, the enjoyment, the pleasure, and the value of the things that are most important to us, like our relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, it decreases those things. So it has, it's a double whammy of those two things. And so we're turning to those things more and more uh, right now, but it's actually making us less gritty. It's decreasing our emotional endurance. I'm not surprised, Tim. That seems to be the way in God's economy that he gives us. He installed in our brain this incredible pharmacy of chemicals that produce pleasure and good feelings and a sense of wonder and awe. And then the alcohol and drugs come in and they ruin that pharmacy. It, it that does. natural pharmacy. That's exactly right. And in fact, what the trade-off we're making in that case is we have these short-term chemicals like dopamine and so on uh, that give us an immediately high euphoria uh, that are stimulating, but then they go away. And in fact, it, it leaves us more depleted. Whereas some of the activities that the Bible talks about taking pleasure in, uh, we've talked about that before, spiritual disciplines, daily activities, you know, spiritual activities, those will increase the longer-term chemicals and the emotional steady states that we're looking for, you know, such as, you know, serotonin does that. Mm -hmm. So although you might be able to distract yourself or medicate yourself temporarily, you are, in the long run, harming yourself in huge ways. That's right. That's right. Exactly, exactly. And, and so uh, notice how many times the Bible has us not overlooking it. It has us facing our current challenges. It has us dealing with our current problems. It doesn't have us avoiding those, but it then the Bible then tells us to set our minds. And what, what are we setting our minds on? We're setting our minds on glory, on the heavenlies. We're setting our minds on Christ. We're setting our minds on the reward of what's going to happen in eternity. We're setting our minds on hope. And so it gets us to kick out of our current circumstances and then to kick into our our spirit. And then our spirit sees the long term and it sees the joy that's set before us. Mm. All right. What about uh, adversity and how it affects us? Um, I know there's... There's good adversity that produces wonderful things, like it says in Romans, but can't adversity also trigger some past traumas? Right. What, what people are going to start noticing is, of course, if we, if we have nonstop you know, chronic stress and this background stress and it never seems to uh, relent, then what starts to come up for us is our past experiences of loss, our, last, our past experiences of grief, our past experiences of trauma, those things will start to come up for us because we are getting into sometimes an anxious and depressed mood state. And so those things then start to come up for us at that time. And let me throw this uh, back at you, Bill, for just your consideration. I was thinking about the word consecration. Mm-hmm. And the Bible talks about that, uh, to be set apart, to be, to be sacred, to be set apart for God's use. And I was thinking, we have to be in this world, but, but not of this world, 
And, and we are actually supposed to consecrate our minds. And so what, what does that mean? What that means, I think, is when we're in the middle of adversity and we're actually has have some trauma and loss and grief that comes up, we can actually become alive in our spirit, connect our spirit to God's spirit in that moment, and we can actually, in that sense, take that power away from past trauma and grief and loss. What, what do you think of that, Bill? I like that. It's, yeah, it's very, concentration. Very concentration, good. I, concentration of the mind, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Dr. Tim Walsh is my guest. He's a vice president at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. We're uh, talking about endurance because I think we all need it right now. We need to build our endurance and our resiliency. So after a short break, we'll be right back with lots more. back with Dr. Tim Walsh, Vice President at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. We're talking about uh, building up our endurance and our resiliency, and we're learning some uh, some things to do. First was we needed to be aware. We need to be aware of what's sucking the life out of us. Mm-hmm. All right, Tim, what's next? What else do we have to do? Yeah, I think we'd be remiss, Bill, if we didn't mention that if you're struggling with uh, drug and alcohol addiction, if you're one of the people that we're just talking about and you're feeling overwhelmed and stressed and even despairing, uh, you can call 1-800-FREEDOM, 1-800-FREEDOM, or go to mntc.org for Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. So we just we just felt like that we needed to put that out there. Sure. Um, but let's get into some solutions, and the Bible calls it sacrifice. And, and of course, we are giving up something of value when we sacrifice. Uh, but what are we giving up? I, I have a quote. Actually, I learned this when I went to Northwestern College right here. Uh, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. That's like a Jim Elliott quote. That's a Jim Elliott quote. So that's right. And so, so this one of the solutions uh, when we're having a hard time enduring, hard time uh, re- being resilient, being gritty, uh, one of the challenges is we, first of all, have to give up those things that are sucking the life out of us. And I hate to be, maybe that sounds a little crude, but that's exactly it's what not. it is. No. No. And so it just, a, it just is a quick meditation, you know, on that very principle is, of course, there's some habits and addictions we need to give up. Now, one of them for me, Bill, was I am, a, I'm, I'm by nature a very political person. And I have not, since 2016, I have been trying to reduce or eliminate my focus on politics uh, since that time. Not that it's not important and not mm-hmm. that I don't think we should be involved in politics. I, I think we should. Uh, but for me, it was feeding a part of myself that was not, that was not healthy. Okay. So that's, that's a good example. And then, and then some of us need, there's certain people in our lives that actually are fairly toxic and they suck the life out of us. And sometimes we need to create some distance there. Uh, and sometimes there's relationships that we need to give up. So that's partly what I mean by sacrifice. There's some people that we leave behind. When I became a Christian, I lost over half of my friends, and that was a good thing. That was a good thing. Mm-hmm. I needed to leave them behind. And there's some things that we do that, that we need to give up. So, for instance, if we're spending all kinds of time on social media, and it's actually making us more anxious and depressed uh, and making making us feel worse about ourselves, well, time to give that up. Mm-hmm. 
And then uh, there's some situations that we that we get into, some environments that we get into. We may need to change that as well. Or there's some things that we need to give up. Maybe those things uh, are not uh, are not good for us. And so what I'm what I'm getting at there is there's things that we can sacrifice. And if you sacrifice some of these things, these things that are actually time wasters and sucking the life out of us, what we'll start to experience is a rebound almost like the waterbed phenomenon, you push down in one and it pops up in the other, you'll experience a rebound in your energy level and and your positive moods will start to increase as a result of giving up those things, as Jim Elliott says, uh, that you can't keep in order to gain that which we cannot lose. Mm-hmm. All right, so be aware, give up what we need to give up. What else? Good. Yeah. So n- next is, uh, you, you know, it, one, one, the psychologist would call it focusing, but the Bible would call it setting your mind. Uh, it's also known as passion, which means uh, we need to then focus. We need to focus in on uh, changing those things that we can change. You know, the serenity prayer is a lot, has some wisdom on this, you know, uh, focusing in on the things that I can ch- change or control or manage. And so I just want to go over quickly some skills that we can learn. Uh, and it comes right out of the Bible. I don't know if you want to read that, Bill, the Philippians 4, one 8 of, first. One of my favorites, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. That's a, it's just such a powerful verse, and it focuses our mind. And, and so this idea of setting our mind, in the morning when I wake up, Bill, I, I do that gratefulness exercise, the attitude of gratitude. And it focuses my mind, but then it then it helps me to start to see the goodness and beauty in the world. I start to see God in other people. I st- start to see God at work uh, all all around me. It's it's just it's it's beautiful the way that does that. Another one I want to throw out here is um, it's the skill of cherishing. So when you do get good moments, even though right now is really difficult, like I had at the when at the beginning of the coronavirus, I was able to see my grandbaby, and I might get a little teary on this one. Bill, okay. but, uh, I saw my grandbaby Lena. And I, I hadn't been able to be around her because, you know, uh, because of the coronavirus. And she comes up to me and we're out and we're playing out on, a, on the uh, park in front of our town home. And she says, hi, Bampa, I love you. I miss you. But oh. I can't hug you right now because of germs. Oh, boy. Oh, you know, and of course I can break your heart, but I also have cherished every moment that I have with mm, my grandbabies. That is a precious moment. You know, and you just let it sink into your bones. So cherishing, I think, is just a beautiful thing. So gratitude and cherish, cherishing, and then what goes along with that is if you're having a good moment. And for me, it's even basic things like I'll be eating some really good food and I will savor it, you know? <laughs> uh, I'll just savor that, you know? Mm-hmm. And you get these moments and finally you get a moment of freedom or you get to be with the people that you want to be with and all that. And you just you just totally become part of that moment and you savor that moment. You drink it in. You work it over and over and over in your mind, you know? I've it's never a- heard anyone talk that way about a donut. <laughs> So anyway, those are those are some. So just you know, the the, the skill of yeah. increasing grittiness is it can be really basic. All of those skills that I just talked about, focusing on things that we can change. Mm-hmm. Every single one of these things is is what's going to change our focus and our experience. Look for goodness and beauty. Yes. Cherish the precious moments Amen. and savor those things which give you life. Amen. Exactly. Powerful. I love it. Exactly. And right, what else? Good. So. Um, 
So then let's get down to it. You know, so what is it that gritty, what's different about gritty people? What's different about people who, who really have emotional resiliency or emotional endurance? And what we find out is that they take pleasure in long-term, these steady-state emotions, what the Bible would call, I would say, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Those are steady-state emotions. And I don't know if you ever looked at it this way, Bill, but uh, a lot of people, when they talk about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, gentleness, uh, self-control, I missed one in there. Goodness, thank you. Goodness, I miss goodness. Um, (laughs) So... um, Anyway, when they look at that, they go, oh, that's the evidence that the Spirit is at working with you. That's true. Do you know what else fruit is? It's the dessert. It's, it's, it's what you get to enjoy. Mm-hmm. You get to enjoy, like dessert, love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. And so gritty people actually are working towards these long-term steady-state emotions, and they're looking for the fruit of their labor, the fruit of their effort, the fruit of the challenges, and then when they, they experience that, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, and so on, they actually then, again, savor that. They savor that love and that joy and that peace, and they dwell in that. They dwell in that experience of those things. And then they flip side... That will then disempower whatever urges, temptations, and cravings that you're having for instant gratification. I know that's easier said than done. John Piper, as we've talked about before, calls that Christian hedonism, which is we get to enjoy all good things. But the key is, is it a good thing? Does it actually have that payoff that I'm talking about? So when we, when we then uh, enjoy the fruits of the Spirit or these positive, steady-state emotions that we get as a result of uh, being faithful, of facing our challenges, working towards the long term, setting our mind towards the things that actually matter in our life, we get to engage in pleasures and, and other strategies that help us to uh, not cause regret or harmful consequences that do not cause shame or guilt or an addictive cycle. So, so it's instant gratification, and when we feed that uh, short-term impulse, those, those uh, temptations and cravings and so on, that will have an instant payoff, but then we experience what? Regret, harmful consequences, shame, right? That's mm-hmm. what happens after that. That's not what happens when we start to experience love and joy and peace and so on. When we, when we have uh, participation in things that give us those kinds of pleasures, that lasts with none of the consequences, with none of the consequences of shame and guilt and regret. So it's really powerful, and gritty people learn that very lesson, and that's where they pour their energy, and that's where they set their minds. All right, so if we're, if we're going to become gritty, and I like this, you've helped us a lot today, uh, Tim. Tell me what the grittiness, how will it make a difference? Yeah, so what we're seeing with uh, gritty people are people who have that uh, emotional endurance or resiliency is they do learn how to overcome adversity and they do persevere. All the research says that. The Bible tells us that, right? Yeah, sign me up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, and, and what I loved about the, the other verse that you talked about is it's, it's that uh, endurance coming out of adversity that leads to character and character to hope. And that hope, what that sustains us. But it, it goes on to talk about that it's the Holy Spirit that's working within us for that. And then what we start to find out is people who build their emotional endurance will achieve their goals in life, their dreams, their visions, their goals. They will have better outcomes as a result of that grittiness. That is what will happen. All the research says that. The Bible promises it. Mm-hmm. 
And then what, what starts to happen is we're talking about, you know, the, the very things that bring a sense of meaning and purpose to life, our relationship to God, our faith in God, our love for other people, our love for the people in, in, our, in our family, in our friends, but even our enemies, that gives a great payoff. Uh, and so that gives us uh, a sense of uh, meaning and purpose, and then we get a sense of calling. Well, that's what gritty people focus in, and is those things that I just talked about. And so they, that leads to personal growth, that leads to more and more successes, that leads to more and more gains in their lives. And so gritty people actually start to feel more and more this sense of meaning and purpose. Mm. Wow, that's yeah. fantastic. And, and then finally, uh, gritty people learn to manage themselves. Uh, they learn to control themselves, at least what we can control, right, uh, in a focused and deliberate way. Um, they learn how to face the obstacles uh, that get in the way of their life and their goals. And they learn to then not just, and then they deal with those obstacles, and then they start working steadily towards the things that matter in their mm-hmm. life. Tim, so so helpful, such good material. Thank you so much for sharing this today. If you have a loved one or yourself needs uh, to be in in-treatment uh, care, uh, what's the number over at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge? You can call 1-800-FREEDOM. Okay. Or go right to our website at mntc.org. Thank you so much for being here. That wraps up our show for the day. Dr. Tim Walsh has been my last guest. And also want to thank all the guys for Guy Talk today. I hope you enjoyed the show. I look forward to our time tomorrow. I'm already excited about that. So have a great night, everyone. Lay your head on that pillow. Know that God is working out a great, great plan in your life. And he loves you like crazy. So do I. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.